Hello everyone and welcome to Charity Talks. I'm Brooke Donevsky and today I spoke with Rob Mather, the CEO and founder of the Against Malaria Foundation. While malaria is not a significant problem in first world countries, it's a huge problem in sub-Saharan Africa where it kills approximately 400,000 people each year and sickens millions more. During my interview with Rob, he discusses why he founded AMF and explains how a simple malaria bed net is so effective in stopping the malaria-infected bugs from harming so many people while they sleep. When you hear how little it costs to save the lives of those exposed to the risk of malaria, I think you'll strongly consider helping AMF further in its mission. So I hope you enjoy the interview. I'm on with Rob Mather, the founder and CEO of the Against Malaria Foundation. Rob, thank you so much for coming on today. My pleasure. To start, could you share a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, so, uh, how far back do we go? Because I'm a little bit older than you, Brooke. Um, <laughs> I studied uh, chemical engineering at university, so I guess I was a, a scientist. Um, I then went to work in Italy. I was very keen to learn a language, so I took myself off to Italy and worked for a strategy consulting firm. Uh, I then came to the U.S. and I spent two years of business school. Uh, and then came back to the UK and spent 20 years working in various aspects of business um, in an exhibitions company um, and in a, a large publishing company. And I held roles as a commercial director, so in charge of bringing money into the business and as an operations director, making things happen. And then ultimately as a managing director of a, uh, a large division of an organization before I set up um, AMF. So that's a brief background for you. Yeah. And why and how did you start AMF? Well, I guess the uh, the real reason is because I'm not very good with a remote control of a television. I was trying to turn on uh, or turn off uh, the television, having watched the news one evening, and instead I switched to another channel. And that led me to a program about a small girl called Terry who was very badly injured in a house fire. In fact, she suffered 90% burns to her body, and the only bit of skin left on her body was the bit beneath uh, a wet nappy, a wet diaper, because it was wet. And this one-hour program told her story, and I was extremely moved by it. Called a couple of friends and said, would you swim a distance equivalent to the English Channel, which is about 35 kilometers, in a swimming pool, because I'm not brave enough or fit enough, fit enough to do the, to the real thing on my, on my own. And uh, they said yes, and one thing led to another. And what started the three people swimming, trying to raise a few thousand pounds for um, Terry, uh, developed into a swim involving 10,000 people in 75 countries uh, and we raised a lot of money for Terry and 100% of it went to her trust fund to assist her in what were going to be very difficult years ahead. So that was back in 2003 and somebody then said to me, what are we doing next year? And I uh, had a throwaway line. I didn't really mean what I then said, which was, well, why don't we try and get a million people to swim? And the man on the phone said to me, uh, in, a, in a much better Australian accent than I would be able to do, he was Australian, he said, well, that's terrific, that means we only need 999,998 more people because I'm in. And it set me thinking. And subsequently, a, a year or so, a year and a half later, um, we launched World Swim 
against malaria, and that was about 15 years ago now, and the Against Malaria Foundation grew from that. Yeah, it's really crazy to see how something that starts off so small and just more of an idea can really just grow into something that large, so that's really amazing. Most people probably have a general understanding of malaria, but could you discuss more about what it is? Sure. So malaria is a, uh, a nasty disease. Uh, in fact, it's the malaria parasite that is the thing we have to uh, watch out for. And malaria is transmitted by some species of mosquito, which bite between 10 o'clock at night and 2 o'clock in the morning, which means that what we have on our side because of that relatively precise window when the malaria-carrying mosquito bites, if we can have people in affected areas sleeping under a, uh, a bed net, an anti-malarial mosquito net, which these days costs about $2, we can stop the mosquito getting to the person sleeping underneath because there is both a mechanical barrier, the net, but also these nets are covered in long in insecticide. They're known as long-lasting insecticidal nets because the insecticide lasts a long time. And even when these nets become ripped and torn and have holes in them, which often occurs in the environments in which they're distributed, because the mosquito doesn't do an aerobatics maneuver through a hole, it lands on the net and migrates to the hole, you have an opportunity to cause the mosquito to pick up the insecticide on its legs and that causes knockdown, kills it. And so what we can do against these malaria-carrying mosquitoes that are broadly... Um, in sub-Saharan Africa, um, Africa is where 90% of the deaths from malaria occur. Um, what we can do to prevent the deaths and the sickness that's caused by malaria is, amongst other things, and a particularly important thing to do is distribute these nets. And the scale of the problem is very significant. It's worth us doing something about it because we're talking about something around 400,000 people dying every year. And 70% of those deaths are in children under five and also in pregnant women because in both cases, we have immune systems that are developing or somewhat compromised immune systems when women fall pregnant. And that's a, you know, that's a human catastrophe. It's a humanitarian issue. And many hundreds of millions of people fall sick with malaria each year. So if we can stop that happening, we can really affect the economies of the countries in which these people live. Because if people are sick, they can't teach, they can't farm, they can't drive, they can't function. They can't be productive members of society. So there's both a humanitarian reason why we want to stop people suffering from malaria and an economic reason. So two very good reasons why we want to do something about it. And you already sort of talked about it, but why do you think it is that nets, some, which are something so simple, can really just be one of the most effective tools in combating malaria? They're effective because they work. Um, as I explained, they stop the mosquito getting to the person sleeping underneath and because they broadly bite between this 10 o'clock in in, at night and 2 o'clock in the morning. And we have to think about using nets, and we do use nets in the many millions, the many tens of millions distributed in Africa each year, albeit we don't have enough money to do all the uh, net distributions that are requested of us. There are gaps in funding. And the reason we have to look to things like nets is because there isn't a vaccine. We can't just um, inoculate people and they will be uh, pro they will be protected from 
contracting malaria. There's no silver bullet, if you like. There's no simple thing we can do. It's good that these nets only cost two dollars each. So you, you know, we we take money that comes to against malaria and we put a hundred percent of it into buying nets. Each net protects two people. Five hundred dollars protects an entire village. Um, two to three thousand dollars means that one person doesn't die and a thousand cases of malaria don't happen. So the good thing about these nets is that they they're highly effective. They're not the only thing we can do to fight malaria and to prevent malaria. But they are the most effective thing we can do. I heard that、um, the foundation is named a top charity by both GiveWell and the Life You Can Save, which really measure how effective and how cost-effective organizations are. So, would you say really the reason that this organization is so effective is because of the nature of these nets? I think it's a combination of things. I think you're right that you know we're operating in an area where independent organizations that look at The Against Malaria Foundation and other charities, and really get beneath the skin of, if you like, asking charities prove to us that you do you do what you say you do, and we're going to work out really how effective you are. You know what what sort of impact you have for every dollar, every thousand dollars spent, and we are in an area where you know malaria is you know this backdrop that exists in the world and nets exist. And there are other organisations that are involved in distributing nets. It's not just the Against Malaria Foundation. I think one of the things that、um, people like when they look at us independently and, and evaluate what we do is that we place a particular focus on transparency,、uh, on efficiency. So the way we've structured the charity is that we have very, very low overheads,、uh, which means that we don't have to divert money given to us by donors to pay for things that don't allow us to. Help people in Africa, if you like. We also focus very much on、um, on data. We are extremely keen to make sure, to the best of our ability, that the money that we use to buy nets and then the nets that are then distributed with partners we work with are actually distributed and in the right numbers in the right places. So we gather lots of data,、uh, which we might want to come on to talk about、um, at a household level. So. That focus on data, accountability, efficiency, and transparency、um, is regarded、um, well when people come in and look at us and ask us to share information and explain what we do. I think that one of the amazing things about what AMF does is that you do have both the accountability, but also you have through this accountability you can show the results and you can show the impact of your work. So I think that's great. How do you go about collecting data? We work with、um, all sorts of partners in country.、Uh, we're a very small team at AMF. In fact, there are only eight of us,、um, and we don't have any offices.、Uh, we're a charity in in twelve countries around the world,、um, yet we don't have any offices because the eight people、uh, that work here in the UK all work from home.、Um, but that's another story in terms of how we're designed. But、uh, that's one way of saying we're、um, you know we're a small organisation in terms of number of people, but Uh, we work with organisations that are really good at doing other things. So it wouldn't be a good idea for us to set up a logistics and net distribution、um, organisation in an African country because there are organisations that are much better suited and already there to do that. So what we do is we partner with organisations who will、uh, be contracted by us potentially、um, when we come on to monitoring. 
So we always do independent monitoring and we pay for it um, because we want to have an independent assessment of what is going on. We don't want to just rely on uh, those people that are distributing the nets to tell us exactly what's happened. Um, in a sense, what we say to people very politely is that we're not going to trust them. But we don't mean that in, a, in an aggressive way. We mean it in a way that says uh, trust can mean that we, you know, we're just going to leave you to get on with it. And we don't think that's right as a charity to do that. We think we should independently assess, often with or usually with um, visits to households and areas and villages and districts that are completely unannounced, uh, that our partners are not aware of. So we really make sure we understand what's going on. So we work with partners who go out to individual households in in, in villages, uh, collecting monitoring data. And when it comes to our partnership with the health system in a country, because we as an organization are funding millions of nets at a time, um, it might be interesting to give you the example of Guinea, where we recently, which is on the west side of Africa, and we recently funded 4.8 million nets for Guinea. And they were distributed in about 1.3 million households. The national health system, with the many thousands of health workers that work around the country, they were involved, as they are in all of these countries that we work in, in going to households and collecting information from each household to establish how many nets each household needs, because one will need three nets because they have six people, one will need two nets because they have four people, etc. And that data gathering means that when it comes to distributing the nets, you're actually going to get the right number of nets to the right household and protect people with a very effective and a very efficient distribution. And we work with, we don't fund that work, somebody else funds that work, uh, but we work with a government and a health system to specify exactly what information is being uh, is going to be gathered, and it's shared with AMF so we can check it, and it's gathered electronically or it's put in an electronic database so we can really assess it and, and understand what the, um, you know, the data is accurate and, and is appropriate. Um, so it's through those partnerships that we go right to the household level and gather that granular information. And that's the basis of a really good net distribution across a country. As the founder of AMF, I'm sure that you've had a lot of personal experiences where you've seen the impact of this work. So could you share a few that have really stuck with you? There's one There's one in particular, if I may share that with you. And, and it comes from an experience I had when we were working some years ago in Uganda, and we were funding 50,000 nets for the West Nile region of Uganda, and we were partnering with an organization called the Red Cross, and I happened to be speaking to one of the uh, the senior people within the Red Cross in Uganda at the time, who was out in the field, as, as we call it, so he, was, he traveled a number of hundreds of miles from the, the capital in Uganda, and he was at a, a local Red Cross center. And he passed the phone to a village leader who was also in the Red Cross office, who happened to be um, in charge of one of the villages that we were going to be covering with nets. And this man was called Mohammed. And I had a you know, chance conversation with him for a few minutes. And when we uh, prepare for distribution, we gather malaria case rate data and the number of data about the number of households and, and how many people are in the village. So we have lots of data. And um, six months later, I received an email from an individual at this particular Red Cross uh, center that I found very moving. And Mohammed had walked six miles to this Red Cross center 
um, about four months after the distribution had taken place. So for the first time, his village had had every sleeping space covered. And um, he dictated a message to uh, somebody in the Red Cross Center to send to me, and it simply said, Rob, we don't have malaria in my village anymore, Mohammed. And when we looked at the data, the number of cases of malaria in his village had gone from 387 before in, in the months before we had distributed nets to seven in one of the months afterwards and then to zero. And I guess that simple chance conversation with Mohammed underlies or you know, is an example of why we do what we do at AMF because we go to sleep at night and a bite from a mosquito would be it would cause an annoying bump because it's not going to carry, it's not going to be um, able to de deliver malaria. But in in these malarious areas, the bite from a mosquito can literally be, well, it can make you very sick or, or worse. So um, I always remember that interaction I had with Mohammed. Wow, yeah. I definitely feel like it's important also that people just hear about these stories and hear about these experiences. And how can people best contribute or get involved with, with AMF? Well, the simplest, as I sometimes say, the, the, the simplest, what we need to do is we need to distribute nets because that's the way we um, protect people. And, you know, nets cost $2 each. So I guess, you know, the bottom line is that if people are interested in uh, supporting what we do, it would be to, you know, make a donation um, of whatever size. Um, Every $2 matters is, is what we say because every $2 buys uh, a net, 100% of that money buys nets. And I should briefly explain that the reason that 100% buys nets is because our central costs as an organization are very low. Um, in fact, the only costs we have as an organization in our administration costs, if you like, are the salaries of five staff members um, out of eight. And they are covered by several donors already um, if you like, going forward. So we don't need to take any money we receive now and use it to cover salaries. So we can take 100% of the donations we receive from the public and use them to buy nets. And that's very important to us so that people know how their money is being used. And we have a large gap in funding right now. So what we know is that whatever amount of money people donate, we know it's immediately going to get put to work. Um, and as I say, um, no amount is too small because every $2 protects two people when they sleep at night. It's very important to me when I, when I set up AMF that we, we minimize the amount of money that would pay for administration costs, um, offices, telephone bills, salaries, and so on. And um, I have to say, I was quite shameless, Brooke, in going to a number of companies. And I think I put it a little bit more politely than I'm about to put it to you. But I spoke to a series of companies and said, I can't do this on my own. I really need your help um, because it was just me at the start. And I said, please, will you help me? But I'm not going to pay you because you don't need $5 as it was then for a net. It's now $2. You don't need X dollars more than a couple of children in Africa need a bed net. And I'm pleased to say, as people could find out on againstmalaria.com, if they have a look, you'll see a list of all the pro bono supporters. So Banking, accounting, legal, translation, technical, etc. All of that effectively is given to us pro bono, i.e. for free. So we don't have to take donors' money and use any of it to pay for those things, um, only those salaries. Very important to me that we therefore channel people's money really effectively into buying these nets. 
And I've said before on this podcast, because it's really the goal of what I'm trying to do, I feel like there's so many charities out there that sometimes it can be hard for people to know how to use their resources and how to use their money. So I definitely think that it's important to look into cost effectiveness and cost efficiency like this. So I think that's what that's one of the reasons AMF is such a great charity to donate to. And is there anything that you'd like to really just add or leave us with before we go? Um, I would simply ask, I hope people have enjoyed this conversation that we've had. And if people are interested in finding out more about what we do at AMF, then please go and have a look at uh, againstmalaria.com and enjoy. <laughs>